Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast, the internet's only Joel totally looked like an old school pro wrestler wrestler at a wedding podcast. Uh, in a weird turn of events, I'm John Fraser. With me, as always, is Joel Gasson, the more talented and better looking half of this duo that normally does the intro. But the reason I have to do the open is because you sent me, Joel, I think one of the all time references that we've ever discussed in our many years as friends. So, uh, Joel that's, was. That's a high bar, actually. It was like, <laughs> but like for an obscure, slightly obscure reference that yeah. made me cackle, like actually like laugh out loud sitting on the couch. You do that to, you do that often, but this one was like a, oh my God, we both remember the same obscure pro wrestler mm-hmm. only because you looked like him. And that would be the legend IRS. And you looked like a dead ringer, Joel. So I shall allow you to explain why you were walking around Ottawa looking like WWF legend <laughs> IRS. So I guess I, I had an inkling like early in the night. Well, eventually once like, I mean, it was balls hot. So the jacket came off as soon as it humanly could. Right. And then the cufflinks came out and eventually rolled up the sleeves. And I'm like sitting there. I'm like just looking and thinking about how I'm looking at it myself. I'm like, I'm looking like, I feel like I look like a wrestler right now, but I couldn't remember exactly who it was. <laughs> So naturally, I reached out to our, you know, no offense to you, but our really old school wrestling aficionado in Dan Plaster. Oh, yeah, 100%. Plaster, I mean, that's he's just older than us, yeah. right? So, so it makes I, sense. He looks younger than us, but he's older than us. I was like, I look like a wrestler with, like, you know, the like the, the sleeves rolled up and the suspenders and the whole thing. And he was like, oh, so he sends me the picture of IRS. I'm like, I thought it was someone else, but, hey, this works too. That's cool. Like I was thinking, like like Big Boss Man or someone looked like that at some point, but he was always oh. like cop more so, yeah. I guess. But there's definitely been some other guys that have done it, but I guess he's like the most popular of ones, right? So of of course, of course, Irwin R. Scheister. Just, <laughs> that's what IRS stand for. But I remember that from like the glory days, and like I had no idea what IRS meant. I was like no. six or seven, and. No, as soon as you sent that to me, and then you sent me the photo of IRS, I'm like, yeah. And it was yeah. it was the one that I posted on Twitter with a side by side was Plaster who mashed those together because I was like, I'll send you a picture of what I look like later in a little <laughs> bit because we were still like just getting up from dinner at the time. So once we got outside and started mingling again, I was like, I went to Jenny and I was like, we're gonna, I'm just just gonna be a little weird, but can you just take my picture with me looking like this? <laughs> She's like, okay. I'm like, I look like a wrestler right now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Well, especially like a guy like you, you're not a big one for for photo taking. As no. uh, as again, all jokes aside, um, I don't think you and I have a single photo together from our many adventures, including your very own wedding. So, um, seems possible, yeah. I I think it's actually probable. <laughs> it, it, so, 
regardless, see, seeing you and IRS, I'm like, well, Jenny's in on it. This is outstanding. And I was just, I was blown away. But I, I do say. I mean, it, it helped that it was an open bar and I was numerous <laughs> beers deep at that point. I don't even but know. So Was it an open bar with good local beer? Yes, there was some local options available. Oh. At least once we got to the reception area, like where we were getting ready, they kept bringing us other stuff. So I kind of suffered through that and made it work. But uh, yeah, in the venue, they had some Ashton Brewing Company, which is from just outside of Ottawa. And they had some uh, Duke Door as well, which is kind of from the area as well. So there were oh, options, that, yes. That's, that's I must say, y'all looked y'all looked pretty sharp. I mean, for a bunch of young guys, you know, with ties kind of going mm. the way of the dodo bird. Um, <laughs> well, that was its uh, that was its own adventure. Okay, okay, do it because I am at thirty seven, by far the oldest guy in this group of friends. Yes, because this I, I met my buddy Shane, like, God, I don't even know, fifteen years ago probably. Right. When we were working at Cineplex in Ottawa, so I mean, it's been a while, and I was like twenty one, and he was. I think 17 or whatever at the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a bit of an age gap between me and like sort of his core group of friends, which fine, whatever. It doesn't matter now, especially now that we're all in our thirties. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we're all in our thirties and pretty much I would say probably no one under the age of 50, 60 these days really wants to regularly wear a tie unless they absolutely have to. Uh, I would, I would even almost put that further. Like I know, I mean, well, Saskatchewan aside, like, I know we're very much more relaxed here in Saskatchewan than other parts of the world, no, and Canada and especially. True. I just think back, though, like, I've never seen the owner of Enns Toyota in a tie. I've never seen my boss at Enns in a tie. And even my time with the uh, with the Model Auto Group here in the city, I never saw the guy that owned that place in a tie or the GM in a tie. So even, like, those guys are, like... 50s, 60s, right? So it is dying, just to, yeah. especially as you mentioned, out this way. Yeah, and especially as you get on the younger end. So yeah, there was a handful of us in this wedding party, uh, including the groom. Uh, one of us knew how to tie a tie off the top of our head. <laughs> so like the, the groom's grandfather was in the room for a bit. He tried unsuccessfully. He was wearing a bow tie, so whatever. And then dad was in and out, so he didn't couldn't really help us at that time. But luckily, uh, Alex got us through everything there on that end. So that was you know, we got there. It took some work. It was probably out of everything. We we got, you know, as guys do when they get ready, we got the pants and the socks and the shoes and the shirts and everything on in like 10 seconds. Right. <laughs> and ready to go. And then the rest of the, you know, like three hours was spent doing ties. Um, <laughs> do, doing ties and drinking beers. Well, absolutely. Yeah. But the one thing that really surprised me and I was surprising that I was going to be the guy to step up the show and having to do this is they didn't know how to put on cufflinks even. <laughs> and Okay. Which I was like, I mean, okay, I'd never really done it until my wedding. And even then, it wasn't really in the plan. I just happened to have some cufflinks that were that were my grandfather's, so I wanted to wear them. Beyond that, I mean, they came with cufflinks for the suits that we rented, but it wasn't like a thing that I had planned out that I really cared if anyone wore or not. Um, right, right. It's it's not like yeah. the uh, it's not like the pig ones that Homer Simpson made no. Lisa wear in that episode, They Go to the Future. No, it's just like the standard sort of black little circle thing, essentially, right? Right, right. But yeah, and like, literally, I like, so I had to slide through the hole and turn through like what's so I'm like I'm like going around all of them so yeah just literally poke it through these two holes and then turn the thing they're like oh well <laughs> then even say, better when we're at one can of you the... just no can you just say you poke it through the two holes and turn it slower again you poke it through the two holes and then you turn it <laughs> I mean it's hard to describe verbally I guess it's easier to show it I don't know but I know. No. You're 
you're right. It just it sounds so dirty when you say it because when in the preamble we were talking about the cufflink story yeah. and you said yeah you just put it through and turn it. I said yeah okay this this will make a great story. But to hear you just say back to back, you poke it through the two holes and turn it. I I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm my search history now has IRS and uh, from yeah. last week's episode OnlyFans people. <laughs> but uh, that's exactly where my head went. Okay. I, I mean I, I, this is how out of you know not knowing anything about cufflinks this yes. group was um one of the co-best men when we were at his place before we went to the venue uh called them cufflings 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 like they were children or something so we made fun of him for that one for a while <laughs> uh is a cuffling like where cuff-link. you i don't know what a cuffling is but oh see i think a cuffling would be like be like a like a child that like twist their way into your life and sticks around i don't know i i thought i'd come up with something better there but uh no just completely dropped the ball and killed all momentum here yeah as you do maybe that's why you shouldn't host this show yeah 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 I, you, you, <laughs> you you go back to this has been a disaster in three seasons of episodes i have now hosted taking the host chair with you in with you here once the other times just out of desperation because you weren't here um so i turn it back over to you to get this thing back on the rails and get us talking about just another yeah, shitty week. Oof, yeah. Ooh, a big oof. A big oof. I, I, like, I think I had, I, had, I had, my mom's in town. I was busy with the Hilltops this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, a team that knows how to win football games. Um, yeah, I, I, neither of us really missed much on this one. So, yikes. Oof is the best way to describe it. Yeah, we obviously have uh, plenty to get to in this episode, as uh, Craig Dickinson was very nice and dropped a bunch of news today for us to talk about. Uh, So we don't have to spend too much time on that game beyond sort of the obvious thing that happened. Uh, So yeah, this is probably going to be a quarterback-heavy episode. Just warning you now, if you're tired of that sort of talk, then uh, this episode might not be for you. (laughs) But as usual, before we get to all that, uh, John for the Pile of Bowens Brewing Company, what is in the glass this week? As I mentioned, my mom is up visiting right now, arrived on Thursday. And one of the best things to get now is just a text from mom before she leaves Northern Ontario. What kind of beers do you do you want? And surprisingly, Joel, and I largely attribute this to working the real job on Saturday and doing Hilltops PA on Sunday. I still have some Northern Ontario craft beer left here for Monday. So I am going with in the new slightly different colored blue can the Forgotten Lake Blueberry Ale from Lake of the Woods at 7.1%. It certainly means that by the end of this podcast, my takes will be even spicier. And it looks like it was canned about a week before my mom came out, and it is just delicious. So for anyone that can... You won't get it as fresh, obviously, out here in Western Canada if you do happen to see it, but uh, I can tell you the... uh, Yeah, the Blueberry... Forgotten Lake Blueberry Ale. If you ever get a chance to try it, absolutely put it in your face hole. Uh, but yeah, it, fair warning, it is 7% and it sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, I haven't been home in the last while. I, haven't, I literally just got off the plane earlier this afternoon. Uh, so I still have what I had from last week, which was supposed to be in your face hole as well, which was the Pile of Bones uh, Face Melter Dry Hop Sour. I, I feel less sad this week because I now have the Northern Ontario craft beer, but I'm still mm-hmm. not coping well that I was supposed to be there and have things in my face hole. Fair enough. Um, I assume Ryder fans probably aren't coping too well right now. <laughs> they have... Okay, I think we're starting to hit the apathy level. Mm. Which is never just, good for anyone. No, be, Especially because, us in the industry of we want you to pay attention to us. 
Right, but I, that's fair. That's fair. I just, again... Because really, it's all about us around here, right? So I mean, we got to make sure the pile of bones keeps, you know, giving us beer. So we do have to, you know, make sure at least, like, five people are still listening. Yeah. Uh, so I think we kind of have that base down. But I think the the gauge I use is I came into work today and usually... At least three or four coworkers will take time to swing by my office and say, what'd you think of the game? I guess maybe because they know, I don't know if they listen. I don't think they listen, but they know I talk about the riders as a hobby. Um, nobody came by my office. In fact, I had more conversations about the world juniors, which was surprising. And of course about the hilltops, because again, me being back with that organization. So I think it was that ugly. Actually, this is this is a great description how ugly it was. My coworker and sales manager, Darcy, he was up at the lake and he went to like there was a communal lodge, kind of a bar where everybody could watch the game at. And at kickoff, it was full, right? Everybody's, huh. you know, hey, come into a nice air conditioned building, drink some beers, have a great time, watch the rider game together. Um, they shut this place down at halftime. Darcy and his family were the last ones there. It was full, but by halftime, literally, the bartender went up and said, do you boys mind paying up? We're shutting this place down. <laughs> that is how bad it is in Saskatchewan, <laughs> that at a lake on a night, you know, you're, it's not like you're, you're competing with the beach or golf or anything like that, that this team is so shitty to watch that they shut down a bar at halftime because nobody wanted to watch them play football. That's how bad it's getting out here. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I guess when you're away somewhere nice, too, there's, I mean, I wouldn't waste my time watching what was what turned into a glorified preseason game in the second half, essentially, as because, right. because of course, just before the half, Mason Fine gets put in for Cody Fajardo and, you know, Puts together a pretty good drive, but then after that, not a whole lot happened. And, you know, the Riders are just trying to get through to that point because they had been shellacked. And BC was, well, they're also shutting it down. Number one, because, of course, Nathan Rourke got hurt later. But also, number two, they got to play again in a week, so there's no point in doing anything else when we got this game in the bag. So the second half pretty much was what it was. And the story was basically just the first half. So Yeah, and I think... I, I think you probably saw a lot of people call it. I know I my attention level went from I'll keep the kids up late to and eh, they're kind of grumpy. I should put them to bed was after the lucky whitehead touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious to see what Mason Fine would do because they seem to hate him um, and want nothing to do with him. But like you said, he came in kind of surprised BC a bit, put together the one drive and then just kind of a giant nothing burger of a second half. So um yeah, I, I, I think, especially with the expectations for this year and how solid this team started, to see where we're at now, it's 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 full-blown crisis mode. And mm-hmm. again, just send a gift basket to all the teams in the East for being so shitty to start the year that you're probably still going to sneak in the playoffs and win the Grey Cup, of course. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm quite as on line with that right now. Um I mean, but we're gonna make, but we're gonna make it a bit. We're, we're gonna, gonna make, make it a bit it a sh- for sure. It's we're definitely gonna make a bit. It a bit. It's it not. A, it's a bit that's not going away. Um, it's not a take. It's not no. like me me proclaiming that Johnny Manziel would win Grey Cup MLP. This is just like, don't say that we're saying that they're gonna win the Grey Cup, but hey, we're gonna kind of poke fun because if anything's gonna happen with how chaotic the season has been, it'll finish with them winning the Grey Cup. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, here's sort of the big problem now to that question mark. Given the Riders' schedule the rest of the season, where they have one game against Hamilton and every other game is against either the BC Lions, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or Calgary Stampeders, and I mean, I think Calgary has question marks, but is still clearly better than the Riders at this point. Yes. Um, there are only two games up on Hamilton for third in the East. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't think of the miss of the playoffs that way. So, yeah, Hamilton's three and seven. The Riders are five and five. With um, one head-to-head. Well, the the Riders are one and oh there, right? And they still have one more time to play. <laughs> right. I don't remember right. what the score of that game was. I feel like it was probably closer than it should have been. Uh, you continue... They might have pulled away a little late. You continue making your point. I'll look it up. So, I mean, outside of that, I mean, they would... And and the tiebreaker doesn't matter with the crossover, right? Like, you have to actually be better. So, if they tie with the number of wins, the crossover doesn't matter. The East team stays. Yeah. So, yeah, it was 30-13 to in week one. Right. So, Hamilton needs to win by, like, 30 points. If the season series mattered, but it doesn't. So, regardless. So, 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 now it doesn't matter. So, basically... Hamilton needs to beat the Riders and be God. You don't even have to. You, you, basically, Hamilton over the last eight. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong. Yeah, Hamilton over the last eight needs to be two games better than the Riders, regardless whether or not they they beat them in the head-to-head matchup. Yeah. Oh God. And they will have by default by the fact that they're not playing most all of their games at one against the BC Lions, Calgary Stampeders, and Winnipeg Blue Bombers a much easier schedule. Yeah, yikes. They got those two more against the Argos that we're going to laugh about. And I mean, but... and the East is so wild from week to week at this point, I still don't know really what to make of anybody, quite frankly. Well, well it's almost like you uh, it's almost like you've got the like the East kind of settling into this like they're all 500 level teams and now they're just going to kind of starting to level out. Other than Ottawa, of course, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody beats up on Ottawa and then everybody else is just kind of at the same watermark and yeah, Hamilton does have uh, Winnipeg and Calgary in their last eight, but uh, outside of that, it's yeah. I didn't think they'd, they'd miss the playoffs that way. Yeah, and I, I mean, some things will have to happen for that to happen at this point, but I mean, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. And if they really go down that rabbit hole, then then I think just about anything is on the table this off season. No, a hundred percent because. Even without Nathan Rourke, you're no slam dunk in BC. You're taken on the Bombers twice while they're still playing relevant football. That Elks game is winnable because, again, the Elks will shoot themselves in the foot. You play the Bombers a third time. Your only saving grace there is if Winnipeg's got things locked up. Then you got Hamilton, who will be playing you for a playoff spot <clears throat> by week and then closing with uh, the Stamps, who will probably be playing for something. So. I see maybe two wins there. I see maybe this coming week, just because you always seem to see, no matter what level of football, when a team loses their starting quarterback, there's always uh-huh. like this, this like wind out of the sails for one game, and then they figure it out. Yeah, course... I, I mean that's not other own possibility. The only difference I would I could see this time around is Michael O'Connor presumably will be the starter, and is not being put, forced into a situation where he has to be Nathan Rourke. Like, Nathan Rourke took what was a good roster and made them unstoppable pretty much on offense. I assume Michael O'Connor will be able to at least not cost them games with what the weapons he has available to him. And how good that defense is, and it's underrated. Oh, it's a crazy underrated defense, right? Uh, And and 
I think you're right. Like I, I, I mentioned in our preamble that, oh yeah, well BC's down, so maybe the West is kind of locked up. But, uh, yeah, the that ought. Yeah, I don't think O'Connor's the kind of guy. I mean, O'Connor's a veteran guy that I, he might prove us wrong and prove to be just as good. Who knows? I mean, not just as good, but still very good and help BC not really suffer that big of a hiccup. I'm trying to watch my words carefully here because I don't want to put any sort of un- unreasonable expectations on the kid coming off, you know, what Nathan Rourke had done at this point. Right, but it's almost like because Nathan Rourke has been that good that he's been the highlight of the CFL season, that he's become a superstar, that he's by far the best quarterback in the league. Like, mm-hmm. I almost think there's less pressure pressure on O'Connor right now. Maybe. Because nobody expects – like, if, if Nathan Rourke was, you know, at about the level of Zach Caleros where, oh, yeah, he's winning, he's looking okay, you know, he's doing good things, people would expect him to do the same. But it's like, whatever you get out of Michael O'Connor at this point is just it's, – it, you're not sure what to expect, and I don't think the pressure is as high because nobody here thinks he's going to be Nathan Rourke because Nathan Rourke has been that damn good. And it's mm. a, and, and you said it in your piece. It's a damn tragedy he's out. Mm. Like – like, it, it, sucks. Is, it absolutely is. Like, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's, it's like brutal. the CFL finally got a really big break and a big piece that they can use for at least a year, and that can't even work out for them right now. <laughs> oh, and, and as we talk about future schedule, we haven't even begun to discuss. Holy shit, the writers are banged up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it, it starts at the top where we're fairly certain that Cody Fajardo still isn't healthy. Um, no. I think he got pulled from that game for psychological reasons more than anything. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, you saw it. Like, he was not comfortable out there at all. And, no. I mean, Mason Fine came in. He didn't light the world on fire, but he at least was willing to stand in the pocket for a few seconds longer to make to allow a few plays to develop. So we'll give yep. him that. Yep. Whether the confident, whether it's just because he hasn't been beaten up yet or not, or whether he actually has the confidence of the group or not, we don't know. But regardless, that's what happened in that game, whether it happened over an entire start. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, Duke Williams is going to be out again for a bit here. Uh, Jamal Morrow looks like he's done for six to eight weeks with a hand injury. Craig Dickinson confirmed <laughs> that today to the reporters during the postgame scrum. Um, on the positive side, it does look like uh, Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore will be back. So that that is a positive. You know, you lose Duke, but at least you gain a couple pieces there. Um, Frankie Ixon has looked good at times, so hopefully they can trust him to run the football. Um I mean, there's a lot of questions about why Jamal Morrow, as a running back, was playing with a buggered up hand. But, I mean, that's yeah. neither here nor there. And I guess it takes Jason Maz off the hook a little bit for maybe not using him. But if you can't use him, maybe you shouldn't be playing. That's exactly it. And that, and, and, and I've been saying that about Cody Fajardo and Mason yeah. Fine the entire season, where it's like Cody is obviously hurt and not stepping behind throws and just everything's quacking and floating. And yeah. you, the things you, you can't get away – you can't get away with that stuff in, in the CJFL, never mind, you know, the CFL. And – they just don't trust fine enough. And Hicks, the thing, okay, I get not trusting fine, but how on earth with Jamal Morrow with a broken hand that now may require surgery, depending who you listen to, how on earth are you not going to Frankie Hickson more? Because Hickson's looked good. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, he's I had a few injury problems himself too, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's weird. But I mean, that's just the way everything has gone on offense right now. And, I mean, they've brought in, it looks like they're making, there's, you know, then some more tackles were brought in recently, so they're going to keep trying along the offensive line, at least. Because um, they finally did the thing last week after we recorded, which was, you know, Dante Rogers got released, and they brought in Jamal Campbell, and, you know, they swapped everything around on the tackles. I You know, it's not, wasn't going to make a huge difference overnight, but it was still, 
something that had to be done, especially with the number of penalties the guy had taken. So, I mean, that still remains the major problem that is not easily fixable and does not matter what happens otherwise. But, you know, there is still very much a conversation to be had about what to do with Cody Fajardo going forward now. And Craig Dickinson also confirmed after practice on Monday that Cody was going to start this game in BC. And I think there's a lot of, you know, differing opinions on that. Um, I'm of the side that I think he's earned the right to see if he can get it back on track. I think I think polling him in that game was the right thing to do. Yes. There was no doubt that he just wasn't handling it for whatever reason at that point in that game. It was time to just not put him through any more torture at that point. Put Mason Fine in and see what happens. But I think he's he's enough of a veteran. He's been through enough that you need to give him the opportunity to be okay. You need to go out there and prove it now. And I think maybe that little bit of a chip maybe helps Cody a little bit. Because he's been maybe a little too comfortable as a starter for a while as well, too. Yeah, I would agree because clearly they hate Mason Fine. Um, the counterpoint to that, I'm of the opinion that you could start playing Mason Fine and to quell the quarterback controversy noise, you could play it off like Cody's still not good. To me, if I'm going to put in Mason Fine, it's now. It's let him see what he can do against BC, uh, against what, you know, should be a deflated BC team. You know, you're coming out in the Labor Day Classic, which no matter how good Winnipeg is, they always find a way to make that game close. Uh, and then you got the Banjo Bowl. To me, you can spin it like Cody's still hurt. He needs some time. He needs some time to rest. And then if you pull off an 0-3 with Fine, you can still go back to Cody. Um, and the biggest reason I think that they should be doing that now is we're 10 games in. Cody Fajardo has not looked good in any one of them. I mean, beginning of the season, he looked okay. Um, but we kind of know what Cody is right now, whether that's limited, you know, it, whether or not he's he's traumatized from getting hit constantly or he's not, like, I still, I still, I watch those games and he's not stepping into throws like he used to. I think now is the time that you go to find and and And, and so all of a sudden now, if you go to find now, you're kind of putting him in a situation to succeed where, you know, the Lions are are very good, even without Nathan Rourke. But t- going through the history of football, whenever a team loses as their starter, I- I'm certain they almost always lose the next game. Like, it just seems to always happen. And then they figure it out from there. So, I don't know. I, I think if you're going to make a quarterback switch at any time this season, now's the time to do it because you've got BC reeling a bit. You've got the Labor Day Classic, and then you're going into Winnipeg on the Banjo Bowl, which all of a sudden, if you're two and zero heading into the Banjo Bowl, well then, okay, Fine's doing some good things for you. He's the guy. And then if he struggles after that, you can go back and say, well, Cody's healthy now, and we want to see what a healthy Cody can do with all the weapons here. As Duke should probably be back for the for the stretch run. Who knows? But I'm I'm in the put Fine in now camp, or don't put him in at all. Like. If you're not going to put him in here with with Cody on one leg and your season quickly going down the drain and the offense looking worse and worse somehow every single week and now missing key pieces, even more key pieces, I don't think you put him in at all. And and I don't think Cody Fajardo is the answer anymore. I don't. Uh, not with the way this offense is structured. That's not saying Cody couldn't succeed someplace else. But it's just he's he's been hit. He's under shell shock. He's hurt. He just doesn't seem to have any of that 
confidence, that corn dog, Jesus flake swagger he kind of had when he took over, that's all gone. So I don't know. I, I, I don't hate the move going back to him, but I, I think if you I think if you're going back to him this week, he's your guy. He's just you might as well say it, Craig, he's my guy for this season and you go from there in the offseason. I mean, I think he's still ultimately, if you're going to have any sort of success this season, he's going to be the guy to have to do it. Um, but so I don't I th- think he, I don't know if he can. That's, 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 I mean, that's that's an entirely different question. Right. I just, I don't think Mason Fine or the others are necessarily going to step up and make a difference for them at this point. It's not a Jake Mayer. No. Right. It's, no, it's neither of those even... are that guy. And, you know, with in consideration with the Nathan Rourke stuff, I laughed when, you know, you know, a lot of people started talking about what BC should do, which is always a fair conversation to have when an elite quarterback right. like that gets hurt. But the stuff that made me laugh was people saying, oh, will they trade for Bo? Why on earth would Calgary ever trade Bo to BC at this point? <laughs> I mean, and, l- l- we can talk about all we want about what's going on with Bo Levi Mitchell. Even if the Calgary Stampeders were thinking about moving on from him at this point, they would not be moving him to the BC Lions. No, especially not especially not mid-season. And let's especially face it. Especially when like... they're likely to meet in perhaps the first round of the playoffs. Like, come on. Yes, and on top of that, <laughs> if you've watched anything, I would argue BC has the best quarterback depth in the in, in, in the league right now. Like, Michael O'Connor has proven in some limited action that he's a capable starting quarterback. He's a gatekeeper. And Antonio Pipkin has won games in this league before on a semi-regular basis with Montreal. So I, I had kind of forgotten he was their third stringer until they brought him out for, for short yardage last week. And it's like, oh, yeah. There's a guy that won games with a far worse Alouettes team than what he would have with this Lions team. So if I'm BC, I'm not signing anybody. No, like I, I, like, like, I, if, I, I, I don't think BC's actually going to do anything, not yet at least, nor, nor should they. It's just right. a conversation that is going to have any time this happens, and that's completely fair. I just don't know why some people get so worked up over people having those conversations sometimes. But regardless... Well, that's it. Like, I yeah. think I honest, I think BC's going to be fine. Uh, like, yep. I don't think you're going to see them hang sixty points on the Elks every three weeks. But I mean, I you're right. That talent. Like, let's face it. This BC Lions team was designed, unlike the Riders, was designed to function without much at quarterback. They went heavy everywhere else, and then the Riders had to pay Cody a bunch and couldn't show up the offensive line. And whoa, here we are because Cody has regressed to the mean. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of questions and a lot of different ways this can go, but... I, and I think it goes very badly. It very well could. And if it does, I mean, that's about as disastrous of an outcome as you can have during a Grey Cup year. Oh, yeah. Um, I think especially out West, you know, you're generally speaking, when you host the Grey Cup, you don't necessarily have to go all in like they did in 2013, but I think the expectation is always to at least have some kind of shot at it. Right. And if this spirals very poorly, which it's looking like it very well could, I mean, as I said earlier, I think everything is on the table and it goes and maybe not everything to the degree of all the way up to Craig Reynolds, but this certainly ends at his plate, I think, for sort of the the tone the organization, I guess, has taken over the last few years in the post Chris Jones era. And, you know, maybe some decisions weren't didn't work out. And I mean, that that happens sometimes. That's professional sports. But I mean. Something will have to give, and I mean, it's unfortunate because we like Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day. Like, I I think Jeremy O'Day, no matter what, deserves another coach because I always believe a GM yes, should get yes, at least two yes. coaches. Um, but, you know, we've seen this organization do bold things before, especially, you know, when things kind of go downhill in a hurry, which, 
unfortunately tends to be their trend the last number of years where they're very good for a few years. They peak for a bit and then it just craters. And yeah. that's kind of what Craig, Dick- Craig Dickinson, Craig Reynolds wanted to avoid in the post Corey Chamberlain, Brennan Tamman era. And if he, if that doesn't ha- if they, d- if they don't avoid that, which there are already kind of are, it's already kind of happening. So it might be hard to avoid completely. He's got some questions to answer to that for sure. Well, and the funny thing is, is, and you mentioned Jeremy O'Day, like if you look at the Canadian, like this is the thing that blows me away with this Riders team. The Canadian depth is actually good. Mm-hmm. They, they often like, have more than the eight Canadians listed on their starting lineup. Right. And, not, and I would say for the most part, other than maybe some offensive linemen, but you don't have much to do there at that point. Most of them aren't really out of place as starters either. No, I mean, you know, outside of having to move move Logan Furland over when Bandy was in there, he looked, you know, competent. Like, um, this team, like, it's such a weird thing because normally, you know, you take Canadian talent and generally that leads to winning in the CFL. But this team is so weird that I honestly think that a lot of their Canadian core would be relevant pieces on other football teams. This isn't like when Winnipeg was so bad that mm-hmm. Ottawa literally didn't take a Canadian from them the expansion draft. Like yeah. this team has lots of really nice Canadian pieces. So it, it's amazing that that Jeremy O'Day has managed to build what you would think would lead to a good core, uh, you know, generally it's get the Canadians and then figure the rest out. Just this team can't figure the rest out. There's there's no. there's no doubt. Uh, I mean in fairness they they figured out the defense. Well, Oh, the defense is great. Like Whoever's the, the, like, you know, digging up most of this talent. I mean, I've heard Jeremy O'Day's down at camps right now. We know Paul Jones is around doing his stuff too. So yeah. there's people that are obviously on the defensive side of the ball. They've picked things up. Um, I think in retrospect, you know, as much as we have enjoyed what this linebacking core has done this year, perhaps spending that much money in free agency on linebackers maybe isn't the best use of money either. Yes. Because, I mean, that's generally not things that successful football teams do for the most part, unless you're in a three, four system, which the riders generally aren't. Um, so there's, there's questions to be had there. Like, I, I don't think there's been any issues with how they handled the defensive line in the off season. That's no, signing Charleston Hughes do. included, despite we had questions about that. Yeah. Um, that all worked out. I think the secondary is kind of coming around the last little while. The busts have been less. I mean, the one, the lucky whitehead touchdown aside, cause I mean, that was just Nick Marshall being Nick Marshall. And you know, that's going to happen at this point. You know, there hasn't really been as bad on the back end. Like, they're kind of getting it together there with some of the new faces there, and that's good. So the defense is working. But, yeah, and I mean, and this has been talked about a lot. I mean, in some fairness to Jeremy O'Day, it's not like there was a glut of offensive talent on the offensive line available to make an upgrade in the offseason without just rolling the dice on, like, 100 Americans in camp or something. Right. Um. But, I mean, that's still something that maybe should have been explored or maybe, I mean, it's hard to trade in the CFL, but maybe there's an avenue to explore there from a position of strength. I don't know. But it certainly, it the ball was dropped in that regard. And I think for whatever reason, whether it's Jason Boz or just the receivers that they have in general, they're just, and Cody Fajardo, between the three of them, I think all three ways, there just isn't a mesh there. Yep. And... This is all, these are all like really big off season questions that are going to lead to a very interesting December, January, and February for this organization. 
Yeah, because it's clear that if they had any faith in anybody who's not a starter, they'd be given a, a shot by now. I, I, mean, I mean... Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there are, you know, we do know as well that especially in the Canadian Football League, there is a very veteran bias by head coaches, yes. and they're very conservative yes. and scared about pulling the more known quantity for someone else. Right. But at this point, what else do they do? Like, 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 Brendan Labatt's not walking through that door. No. You know, you're not, you're not picking up Stanley Bryant in a trade with Winnipeg. Like, it's just something needs to be done. And that's why it goes back to me. It goes back to let Mason Fine drive the bus for a game or two. Like, like, you're not, you know, you're, you're not in a position now where it is full blown panic. You win two to three, which again, sounds ridiculous. But it's just there's always Labor Day magic and mm-hmm. BC uh, yeah, is I mean, reeling. Them winning the next two games is not out of the realm of possibility with the Nathan Rourke injury. Right. Um, personally, I think they're probably still going to lose in BC because I think that defense is going to step up in the absence so of a quarterback, which so also tends to happen sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards they'll find a way to win Labor Day because that's what happened. And then they'll go into BC in the Banjo Bowl and just get throttled. So. Right. Well, and that's it. But all of a sudden you win two to the next three. Yeah. And the pressure's off. A little bit, yeah. And depending on what happens with Hamilton, maybe that clears up the crossover spot a little bit and gives you a, a bit of breathing room heading on that end at least. So you could at least salvage some sort of playoff spot this year, even if you have to travel to Montreal or Toronto and probably lose that game. Right. But I mean, but again, I'd, I'd take this team. I think this team has a coin flip against, you know, this team when fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Going into a playoff game in Toronto or Montreal, that's I don't think there's a chance they could win on the road in Hamilton because the, you know the Ticats fans give a shit. Um, Toronto or Montreal, you're not really well. I guess Montreal's turned into a hostile environment. I take that back, but uh, you know you're still you're still to me with the defense they have, you're still a coin flip against yeah Tor- Toronto or Montreal to a degree, right? So, but the odds of the coin flipping twice in your favor are low. They are, and that's why it's never, ever been done in CFL history, right? But, again, as we keep joking, that, of course, this will be the team to do it with that that great D and everything like that. So, I don't know. I I think think Fine looked better than Cody and clearly connects with guys like McKinnis better than Cody does. And I I think they're going to regret not – because – What's the what's the other option is you go 0-3, you lose in BC, you lose two against Winnipeg, and then if you lose back-to-back against Winnipeg, I think it's full-blown panic time from right up in the organization all the way up to Craig. Like, if you lose Labor Day Banjo Bowl, you are in full-blown panic mode, and then you're going to throw Mason Fine to the Wolves, so... Oh, it is quickly derailing, and as much as we love people listening to this podcast, because our listens go up when they lose... I don't want to see it get that ugly. I want to hopefully have a great time as long as I can get the days off at work down at Regina and and have a spectacular couple evenings with you and end up passed out, uh, you know, so I can't even make it upstairs. And then we'll watch college football on the Saturday before the Grey Cup or before the Grey Cup Festival. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 always a catch 22 sometimes. And I mean, yeah, it's just a struggle. And I don't know. I don't know the way out of it, and it's it's kind of problematic when you're talking about the same things every week, too. And I think that's sort of the biggest concerns. If there were just different weird things happening every week, you can kind of wrap your head around it a little bit and figure it out. The fact that it's the same thing over and right. over again, and I mean, 
the definition of insanity, right? That's that's where it feels like where this team is at right now. Unless they can find the mom from the movie Encanto on Disney Plus to give uh, Dan Clark some of that magical like bread she gives people to heal them, then boom, that's 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 the solution at this point. Find the mom from Encanto. Find out she's real. Let's go to Columbia and find her. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 